Good morning, church. Please open your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 6. That's going to be our jumping off place this morning. Good morning if you're visiting with us for the very first time. Uh, I do not believe that this is any accident that God has you here today, especially if you're going through some times that are a little bit difficult and a little bit heated, and you're not quite sure why. Uh, God likes to get into those kind of times with us. You're not alone. I heard about one little girl this week who was in a tough place. She was scared. She was locked in her grandmother's bathroom. Her grandmother was a Christian lady, and she was wanting to help her stay calm. And so she said, honey, don't worry. Jesus is in there with you. To which her granddaughter replied, I know. He'd like to get out too. (laughs) There's some things that you would like to get out of. Trust me, you are not alone. And you're in the right place. Jesus would like to give you some perspective. Maybe on the fire that you happen to be in. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for your presence here today. You have been faithful to your promise that wherever two or more are gathered in your name, there you will be also. And God, I know that for some in this room, they, they so desperately needed for you to be here today. For you to, um, to come be with them, especially in the times and the circumstances that they're in. And Father, we trust with all of our hearts that you will um, make yourself known in a way that comforts, encourages, maybe a way that challenges, maybe a way that uh, convicts. But God, we invite you to come in all of your fire today and to do your best work in us. We love you and we thank you for all that you have done to shape and mold us. And now, Father, we ask you to take the next step. Strengthen us. Embolden us. Prepare us, Father, for all the tasks that you need for us to be involved with in this world. In Jesus' name, and the church said. This is the second part of a two-part series of lessons, if this is your first time here. And if we happen to have a little bit of a funkiness with the microphone, we're still working on getting that fixed today. We're trying a little bit different work um, on the battery system, so bear with us if we happen to go out. We've got uh, the handheld mic here. But if you're with us, we're involved in a series of lessons I'm calling Shaped for Greatness. This is the second part, uh, which I'm calling Fired for Greatness. And our jump-off text this morning that talks about God's desire to fire all of us is here in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 6. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result... In praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you've not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. You're fired. (laughs) 
When was the last time you heard those words? Hopefully never. But there's a good chance that some of you here this morning have heard those exact words, not applied in general, but to you. And if you have, it did not make for a good day. Hearing the words, you're fired, can be painfully scorching words, especially when they're attached to losing your job. Call it getting axed, call it getting your walking papers, call it receiving a pink slip, getting laid off, being the victim of downsizing, being terminated, whatever the phrase. You were asked to leave, it wasn't your idea, and that burns. Some of you have never been fired, at least not in the terms of losing a job, but I can assure you in this life, you most certainly will be fired. You have God's word on it. If you weren't here this last week, you missed seeing Mark Jackson, one of our local master artisans, helping me visually express what I verbally wanted to impress on our church family. And that is two simple truths. Number one, that someone, not something, created this world of ours. This church believes in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Amen? We believe that. But I also hope you caught the second truth of those lessons, those words. In the beginning, God not only created the heavens and the earth, but he created you. With as much skill and precision as he formed this little orb that we ride on, God also, the Bible says, uniquely shaped and formed you. There's a theory that's called evolution that I studied in high school. Made pretty good grades giving back tests and papers to my biology teachers and my science teachers. I studied the theory. I tested on the theory, but I've never been able to buy into the theory. Because I can't anymore look at this world and believe that it is a random accident than you could walking into this room believing these pots are an accident. Now, don't get me wrong. I very much appreciate, as I said last week, and I respect these scientists in a very general and practical way, they have enabled us to analyze this incredible world of ours through microscopes and telescopes. It is amazing the things that they have shown us about this world. Explore this earth, yes. Explain the origins of this earth, no. Given its precision and complexity, I am absolutely dumbfounded that otherwise logical men and women could draw such an illogical conclusion that this earth is a chance occurrence. They wouldn't say that about any of these pots, and they would not say that about, I hope, our universe, if they had the chance to be truly open to it. I'll explain what I mean by that. If you've ever had a chance to see the movie Expelled, I think you've seen a, a tremendous underscoring of not just the Christian viewpoint, but also those of intelligent design viewpoints in the world. I'm just, I'm just curious. Anybody here seen the movie Expelled? Not many. It stars Ben Stein. He's a Hollywood actor who's also a practicing Jew. And in it, he helps us see in a very, very comical way, but also in a very, very intelligent way, that the truths that we know to be the truths that God created the heavens and the earth are the most intelligent choices of truths in explaining how this world came into existence. really want to encourage you. You can get it through Netflix. You can get it at Hastings to take some time with your family and to see that movie. I promise you, you'll be blessed. 
Someone made these pots. You didn't have to be here last week, although a lot of you had to be gone because of vacations. Uh, Art Leonard's got a video of this. Matter of fact, a videotaping this particular session this morning. If you'd like to get a copy of that, talk to Art. He'll probably make you a copy and get it to you. But you didn't have to be here this last week to walk in here and believe this is no accident. Someone did this. And we didn't have to be there in the very beginnings of creation to know that someone with intelligence and love and with intentionality, made this incredible globe that we live on. Now, like these pots were formed by Mark with intention and love, you were formed with intention and love. And something's happened to these pots. Have you noticed, those of you who were here last week, they've changed. They're not the same. Something very, very specific happened. These pots were fired fired. Some were fired in a kiln at about 1600 degrees. Others were slow fired, but all of them were exposed to heat this week. And they in turn changed these pots. They are not the same. I promise you, if you have lived a day in this world, if you've lived 10 days, if you've lived 90 years in this world, as each day goes by, you're not the same either. And your firing started even when you were very, very small. But I need to let you know that last week, whenever we formed these pots, they weren't very helpful. They weren't very useful. As a matter of fact, when y'all left here, Mark and I had to be very, very careful how we took those pots to the car because just any little bump could could just collapse them. And so it was was very, very temperamental. It was very, very tense getting those out there, hoping that we didn't mess up what Mark had started here because of the distance he had to travel. But when he fired these things, something happened. Something powerful happened that made them resourceful and useful. And the same thing happened in you. Let me just be real honest. You weren't very useful when you came to this world either. You weren't. As a matter of fact, one thing that you were good at was being demanding. You were demanding all the time. We had two children. So we witnessed this firsthand, but over the last 25 years of parenting, we've talked to a lot of other parents. We've compared compared notes. You're all the same. Useless when you come into this world. And you complained a lot when you were hungry, when you were sleepy, when you were wet. You couldn't do anything for yourself. You couldn't do anything for us. Now, you were kind of cute to look at, some of you. Not all babies are created cute, all right? Not all pots are created cute. But God does something in all of them. Hopefully, just as these pots have been fired, you have been fired too. I hope those firings started pretty early. Um, And if they did, chances are it wasn't before long that you could live life without mom and dad sleeping next to you. One of your first firings may have been when they put you in your own crib. No, that may have been an inferno. It is right now for a young couple that I'm praying with on, uh, actually the husband I'm praying with on Wednesdays, we're meeting in kind of a guy thing. And they are going through that time now in which they've had their firstborn with them since that child came into the world. And they're ready to have their bedroom back and their lives back, you know, when they go to sleep at night. And so they're trying to put that child back. And guess what? They're trying to do it gradually. (laughs) Ah! incrementally 
Well, please be praying for them. I cannot name them because I don't want to give away their anonymity. But there's a young couple in Fredericksburg this week who's going to be flipping the switch and letting that child cry itself to sleep. Now, who's being fired, the child or the parents? The parents! <laughs> you were fired when they pulled that pacifier out of your mouth and they never gave it back. You were fired when they removed the blankie and told you that someone stole it or that the dog ate it. All of those are firings, and I hope those firings continued in your life through a loving mom and dad so that not only could you feed yourself, that maybe, just maybe, they taught you how to feed the family by cooking a meal. That maybe, just maybe, not only could you make the bed, but you could do a little wash to wash the sheets that go on the bed. That maybe, just maybe, you didn't just receive money from your parents, but you learned to get a job and make money to be able to be part of that family and the life that God was creating in that family. I promise you, if you live long at all in this world, you will be fired. Now, some of you didn't have a very good set of mom and dad. You may have only been raised by one. And even they may not have known very well how to fire a young pot. And that's a firing of itself. But can I tell you this? You have a loving father now who wants to fire you. To shape you. Mold you, yes. But also to fire you. To strengthen you. Enable you to become everything that he's dreamed for you to be. God's word promises. He will not leave you alone. He won't. He's hoping that you'll choose to allow him to meddle in your life with a little fire. Now, not all fires are created equal. Some fires were never intended from God. Some fires are painful and actually need to be called backfires because they came when our choices backfired on us. We thought they would lead to our pleasure. We thought that they would lead to life being more fun. We thought that it would make us more cool. We thought that it would make us more happy. But they were outside the will of God choices. And so what they did make us was in pain. They destroyed us. They brought confusion into our lives. More on those a little bit later. But let me just say for now, blame God for those if you choose. But those are not fires of His making. But some fires occur that are not our own making. And that's what I want to speak heavily on this morning. While making great choices, while inside the will of God choices are being made, while wise choices are being made, these fires come at us that are unsolicited. And we have to face them. There is no choice. And these are the fires that I think most cloud the world's idea of there being a good God in control of it. For heaven's sakes, let's be honest, there are sometimes the very fires that cloud our judgment on God being in control of this world. I think our disillusionment comes, however, when we don't start at the basis of this idea. You will be fired in this world by a loving and gracious God he will not leave you alone someone said that our faith is forged in the furnace of adversity the longer that I live every day I believe that this morning I'm going to spend some time looking at some young men who are making great choices godly choices and they were fired anyway the story is found in Daniel chapter 3 and it takes place in the ancient country of Babylon which stood where modern day Iraq is located part of the divided Israelite kingdom Judah was taken into captivity by the Babylonian army and we catch up with them in this particular story. 
three gentlemen we know as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego find themselves slaves in a foreign land in this group of Judean slaves. They may have all been slaves, but Scripture tells us that these were very capable young men, and they were quickly enlisted in the king's service. Now, the king they served was an egomaniac. To say that he thought highly of himself would be an understatement. This guy was the Saddam Hussein of his era on crack. He was so full of himself that he has a statue built that's nine feet wide and 90 feet tall. We are not talking about a paperweight for your desktop here. We are talking about a full-fledged monument to self that he intended for his people to worship. The king sets up this idol in the plains of Duran, Daniel tells us, so that it could be seen for miles. And he establishes a law that when a certain song is played, everybody needed to stop what they were doing and worship. Well, three guys who believed that God could never be limited to a statue, three guys who served the God Almighty said, we won't have any part of that. And word gets back to Nebuchadnezzar. And he hears about it. And he calls these three fellows in and he says, Now, when you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre and the harp, the pipe and all kinds of music, if you fall down and worship the image that I have made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. And then what will God, then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? My daughter was home from spring break, and we've got a, a chiminea out back. It was our anniversary present to us last year. Love our chiminea. We had got a lot, a lot of brush and stuff that we'd been saving. We put it all in there, and we just had a great time out there. But at the end of it, all that small brush had, had dwindled down to this huge glow, this huge base of just fire in the bottom. And we all started talking about, wonder what that would be like to put our hand into that. Not smart. Now, an Aggie might do that, but a Longhorn would never do that. Back on you, Rick. (laughs) But almost all of us in this room has been burned, haven't we? In some form or fashion, Mom and Daddy said, don't touch that, it's hot. We touched it, it was hot. For me, it was uh, the muffler on a lawnmower. My dad warned me, don't touch that thing after you mow mow the grass. It will burn you. I touched it, it burned me. Walked me all around his plant that evening trying to help me not only remember that that was painful, but that I ought to listen to him. There'll be other things in life that he'll say, don't touch because it'll hurt you. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knew that their actions were going to mean fire. Not for cremation purposes, but for demonstration purposes. To show any and all who would defy Nebuchadnezzar what the cost would be. And all they had to do, listen to me, to avoid death was to publicly bend the knee to a statue. Now, you know as well as I do, because we've had Satan in our lives and the little thoughts he puts in our minds. Someone entertained the idea, listen, what does it matter what we do in public? What matters is is our hearts, right? And we worship God in our hearts. So why do we need to bow? Maybe someone even said that amongst the three out loud. Maybe. The prudent thing might be just to take our allegiance home with us instead of seeing it die in the fire in front of all these people. Good excuse. 
And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had good lives to go with it. They were living the good life. In slavery, and yet in the king's service, there were perks that went along with that that no one else in Judah were enjoying. Good excuses, good life, lots of reasons not to bow. And they know if they do, if they take a bow, they can walk away. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to King Nebuchadnezzar, We do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, the ma- your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. I'd like to think I had that kind of integrity. But we're getting to know one another now. This is my eighth week here. Hard to believe that it's been two months. I'm not sure I do. I'm not sure I do. Because there are lesser idols in my life. The idols of significance. The idols of money. The idols of acclaim. And the idols of lust. That I have bowed down to in private. When there was nothing public on the line. I would like to think I could grow into that type of integrity. And I'm believing that his spirit, his fire within me is firing and shaping and preparing me and making me more useful every single day. But I don't know that I have the integrity of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The threat of fire comes to these men out of nowhere. They didn't go looking for this fire. This fire comes to them. And when they're confronted by it, they're forced to choose. And they choose to honor God. And take the heat. And the king's furious. He tells his servants, stoke up the fire. They're going in. And the fire was so hot, the Bible tells us, that the very soldiers throwing these three men died instantaneously. But something incredible happens when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown into the fire, this is one of our favorite Bible stories. We know exactly what happens here. It's not but a moment when they're thrown into the fire that they don't have to realize anymore, well, how long will we feel pain? They're not feeling any. They can see the fire, but no singeing of the hair, no heat on the skin, not even a sweat. And they're not alone. They're not alone. Brother, I have to believe that no matter how much faith that these boys had, this had to surprise them. They even said before going in, we believe our God is able to deliver us, but we don't know what He's going to do. Nebuchadnezzar leaps to his feet. I love this. Look! I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed. And the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Some think that what Nebuchadnezzar sees is an angel. Some conjecture that it's an earthly visitation, an early visitation of Jesus. Kind of like a preview for a movie. Soon to be seen in synagogues everywhere. We don't know. But something like the son of a gods shows up in that fire. I would have loved to have seen it. More so than understand exactly who it was. I mean, 
A fire so intense you can't even get near it or you die. Three guys are walking around inside it and there's somebody in there whose countenance is more fiery, more glorious than all of that. Yes. One like a son of the gods came and got in the fire with them. Some of you might be thinking, well, Jimmy, that's real sweet. That's a great Bible story. But what in the world does it have to do with me? Because I am one of those who walked in here today and the heat's on. And I don't understand it. Well, sister, take heart. This is an ancient story. But it's an ancient story about a very modern problem. All of us, whether we have a relationship with God or not, whether we believe that the world was made by someone or something, are going to have to face fires in this life. Whether it's a specific fire that tests your allegiance to God as a disciple or whether it's a fire that tests you because you're just simply a human being, listen to me clearly, you will be fired. All of you. All of us will experience the opportunity to offer our allegiance to someone or something other than God. That isn't just an ancient story. It's a modern day reality. Maybe you're being asked to consistently work hours right now at your job that are obscene. The promise of a promotion and a big raise is absolutely dictating your life, not God. And almost all of the rest of your life is suffering. Your family suffering, your body suffering, all of you is suffering. I'm telling you, you're being fired. It could be that you're dating someone right now. You've been dating him for a few months and you're beginning to feel pressure to do certain things that you know are only reserved for husbands and wives. You're not comfortable with them, but you're being asked to compromise your faith and to move forward in your relationship. I'm telling you, you're being fired. As followers of Jesus, we live daily in a world of cultural pressures that challenge our faith every day. That's being fired. Now, what I'd like to do with you this morning is share with you three quick things that you can expect, not if, but when you are fired. The first is this. God will meet you in the fire. God will meet you in the fire. Please note, God spared Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fire, not from the fire. He spared them in the fire, not from the fire. You will say, with all of your heart in faith, I am not going to give up on this marriage. I won't quit believing that God is going to heal my marriage. And you will pray and you will get with other brothers and sisters who will help you be strong. But you will be dragged into a divorce whether you like it or not. And I want you to know that if you have to go into that fire, you will not have to go alone. God will spare you in that fire. Maybe not from it. You may have the faith to believe that the cancer that you have right now is benign. And you're trusting God is going to heal you. That he has the power to make you well without chemo and without surgery. You couldn't have more faith. And maybe, just maybe, you're going to have to get in that fire. And you're going to have to go through surgery. And you're going to have to go through radiation and chemo. You may not even recover. But if that's true, I want to promise you, God will meet you in your fire. You may have faith that your dad is going to quit drinking. And you pray till your knees bleed for your dad to stop and for your family to be right again. 
But you may have to face the nightmare of a fire that your dad will always drink as long as he is alive. But I want to promise you that if you have to face that, God will meet you in that fire. Sometimes God delivers us from the furnace, but sometimes, friends, He delivers us in the furnace. And in the fire, I don't know what level of heat you're facing today. I can promise you this. He'll be in it with you in yours. Now again, some of them are our own making. We are choice-making machines. You smoke crack, your body's going to be destroyed. That's your fire. You take someone's life and you will probably forfeit yours. That's your fire. If you choose to let your anger be expressed by putting your hand through a wall, you know what? You deserve a broken hand. That's your fire. But what about the fires, Jimmy, that are not my making? Where is God in those? Here's the answer. In them with you. In them with you. You may have heard the story of Vietnam veteran Dave Rovery. He's a minister now, but before he became a spokesman in the Lord's Army, he was a servant in our U.S. Army. He tells the story of his last tour of duty in Vietnam. He pulled the pin on a phosphorus grenade, and he prepared to throw it, only it went off in his right hand before it ever left his hand. He survived that explosion, but not without being, listen to me, fired. Literally. Much of the skin on his right side of his body received third-degree burns. His face was burned so badly, he has no right eye. He has no eyelid. He has a badly sunken right jaw. He has no right ear and no right hand. Here's a picture of Dave now. Not easy to look at. He was in the hospital over 14 months recovering from the wounds. And a man in the bed next to him was recovering from a very similar accident as he... At that, as that man's wife walked in, took one look at her husband, took off her wedding ring, and she said, I can't deal with this, and she left. Dave said, I was sure my wife is going to be doing the same thing. So when his wife came in, he said something to her before she could ever say anything to him. He said, "Hun, I don't expect you to deal with this, and if you want out now, you can leave. She reached down and kissed his burnt lips. And she said, honey, you were never that good looking anyway. (laughs) Didn't marry you for your looks. Dave goes on to say that their marriage survived because it began in the front pew of their church. Before it went into the foxholes of battle. While God in his infinite wisdom and ability could have protected Dave in Vietnam, I believe with all my heart. Instead, God chose to meet him in his fire. And walk beside him down the long road of recovery. And I don't know. Some of you came in here today in the midst of such fires. And you may be wondering where in the world is God in this. I want you to know God is able to deliver you from your fire. But he's also able to deliver you in your fire. I just spent the last four months. Begging God for my sister's life. We didn't know that she had liver cancer. All we knew is that she had larynx cancer. That was taken out. Radiation seemed to go well. And she developed double pneumonia, almost died in the hospital. She was there 109 days out of the last 120. She went home after rehab once, went right back in. Found out she had liver cancer. And all the while, 
We were trying to be faithful believers to believe that God could heal her and take her out of the fire. But listen to me clearly, church. God said, no, I will heal her in the fire. And two weeks ago, he took her home. I don't think she wants to come back. I think she likes it where she's at. What God does in the fire is amazing. We went to sing Christmas carols to her on Christmas Eve day, trying to find some way to make her feel connected to our family. We had her wheeled into a special room. We had cakes and punch and all kinds of good stuff there. We were getting ready to see her for some small presents. And um, she gets wheeled in. And she said, before we get started on anything for me, could we sing happy birthday to Jesus? Because this is his day, not mine. Two weeks ago at her funeral, to send her off well, that was the last song we sang together as a family. Happy birthday to Jesus. Because I know he did not come to get in this world with us for one day a year called Christmas. He is Emmanuel. He's in it with us every day. Number two, God will reach others through your fire. God will reach others through your fire. Ken Huxford is a minister of a large church in South Carolina. I was moved by a story that he relayed from a relief trip in this last year. He met a preacher there in an area that's very hostile to Christians. Here's the story that he was told by this faithful, faithful, faithful man. This evangelist was receiving death threats from some Hindus in the area to stop his ministry. And then one day, they weren't threats anymore. They were actions. One day, they took the man and his wife out into the woods. They tied him to a tree. And they had brought with them rods. And they said, if you do not recant your faith, we will beat you. And he said, I, I won't. And they kept their promise. They beat him until he was almost senseless while his wife had to watch But he would not deny his Lord. But when he would not deny his Lord, they said, either you deny Jesus or we will rape your wife. And she screamed, don't do it. Don't you dare deny him no matter what they do to me. Do not deny our Lord. And he didn't. Nor did she as they raped her right in front of his eyes. They left them both there unconscious and in the woods and she woke up, untied him, and they went to the authorities. And the police did nothing. The next Sunday they were back at their little church talking about their Lord. But it didn't stay little for long. Something amazing began to happen. The people of that community began to wonder how anybody could live with that kind of boldness and courage and decency in the face of the horror that they had suffered. They started to check it out. It grew to several hundred people. But the story doesn't stop there. Three of the men who attacked him and his wife were so convicted that they also became followers of Jesus. In fact, one of the men is now a lead worker with the youth. In India, when you become a follower of Jesus, they give you a new name. One of those gentlemen chose for himself his new name. Emmanuel. God with us. God is with us in the fire and He can, with our participation, I believe with all my heart, reach others through your fire. 
he reached the ego of Nebuchadnezzar himself. The king looks into the fire and he sees not three men but four. And he calls Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and refers to them as the servants of the Most High God. Look who's calling God the Most High God. The king that constructed this 90-foot tall statue of himself told people, bow down to me. He's now saying to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, come out of that fire. Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He sent his angel to rescue his servants. They defied the king's command and were willing to die rather than serve or worship any god except their god. This king is talking about himself. The same king that just a few moments ago was willing to kill anybody who opposed him. That king has changed because these guys wouldn't bow. So brother, trust me. When you're in your fire, what your life said by what you do in that fire is heard by everybody who's looking on. I am sorry that you're in your fire. For the pain that it causes you, but I'm not sorry for what God is doing with it in you. You may have just found out someone has been unfaithful to you. And it's almost unbearable to be around them. You're in the fire. And you're being watched in your fire. You blew out your knee and with it all hopes of going to a college on a scholarship went with them. All those ligaments and all that stuff they had to take out or replace. You're in a fire And you're being watched in your fire. You could be in the fire with a husband who's in bondage to pornography again. It's not your fire. You didn't ask for it. But you've been brought into it. And others are watching how you handle yourself in the fire. You may have entered into the valley of suffocating depression for the first time in your life ever. And you don't know what your future is ever going to look like. You've never been here before. You didn't ask for this fire. But it's a fire your body has brought you into. Others are watching. What are they going to see in your fire? I'm going to be honest with you. When I'm in my fires, it's very similar to me being about this close to the bowl. All I see is something that's hard. I can't see very far. I can't see around it. I can't see above it. But it's an amazing thing that after a while, as it starts to distance itself from me, it starts to take a little bit of shape. Maybe I don't clearly see it. But in faith, knowing what we've talked about this morning, not only are others seeing it, but God says in the future, I will see it. Hopefully learn from it. Hopefully be inspired by it. But it isn't easy. Last point in the message yours. God will bless you through your fire. In verse 30, the king goes on to promote Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to even higher positions in Babylon. And that's kind of ironic to me. New positions and new opportunities to serve the king for men who were seen as a threat to the king. I wish I could say that this is a guarantee for every one of you who's in a fire now. A nicer car. Country club membership. 
bigger home, more secure retirement. But to be faithful to God's word, I can't. Because you see, there's other stories of other people who went through their fires that it didn't mean material blessings. John the Baptist goes through the fire and he loses his head in his life. The apostles go through fires and they're imprisoned and beaten and eventually martyred, very similar to Jesus. The Hebrew writer speaks of those who were sawn in two, imprisoned for life, stoned, left for dead, in his commentary in their life, people who this world is not worthy of. And it's to those people that Paul writes the words in 1 Corinthians. These slight and momentary troubles are preparing us for a weight of glory that's soon to be ours, that far outweighs them all. All of this only makes sense. All of this pain, all this hurt only makes sense if this is only the introduction to the rest of another life. And this book says there's more. There's more than just your battles or your fires that you're being asked to wage. There is a preparation underway, a strengthening, a hardening, an equipping for something greater than just this life. And with it's going to come immeasurable goodness, immeasurable wonder, immeasurable awesomeness, not so much because of the gold the streets are paved with, not so much because of the height and the width of your house, but because we will forever live in the presence of God himself. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego for a moment got to walk around with God that hadn't been done for a long time since creation. That's what we were created for, to walk and talk with Him. But this one that looks like a son of a God comes to be in the fire with them and they get a foretaste of what the future is going to be. And I promise you their takeaway that day was not the keys to a new car or the, the keys to a bigger house or, or, or to the, the washroom at the country club. Their takeaway was we got to be with God. We got to be with one of those sons of God. Now my fear in sharing any of this message with you is that I'm talking to folks who like myself can think the primary goal of my life is fire avoidance. We can assume that if there is a God, His job is to keep me out of the fire. And if we think that, this book will not make any sense. This wall called Christian discipleship is not going to make any sense. But if you understand that God who was fire by day and a a cloud by day and fire by night. A God who promises that not only will I baptize you with water, but I'll baptize you with fire. Wants to take your life and continually fire it. To make it stronger and bolder and kinder and more compassionate. More usable for His purposes, not necessarily yours. And He hopes to do so without you resenting Him for it. had a chance to, um, to go see some folks this week in a meeting called AA. I try to make one at least once a month because I love to be around people who understand they need a Savior. Sometimes they can't come here because they assume that this is them and this is us. they don't realize that really we're kind of something in between. We look real pretty on the outside. 
The folks in that room don't. And the leader of that group started off the meeting by saying, I want to stop and thank God for the gift of desperation. Because without it, I never would have found him. And I never would have welcomed him in. I hope every single one of us realizes that without God firing us, we are in desperate straits. We are so easily collapsed. (laughs) We're not much good use to anybody. I know this is not an easy message to hear, but listen to me. The way this story only makes sense is for you to understand my greatest goal in life cannot be fire insurance. My greatest goal has to be I want to be a part of his story. And if he needs to fire me, then fire me. But I want you in me. I want to be a part of all that you're doing. I don't want to miss out. And so you know how the folks at that meeting end every session of their meetings? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come. You do what you want to do. I've made a mess out of trying to do it myself. I'm powerless to do anything good with it. Would you do something with this? And he says, thank you. That's all I needed to know. Yes. Now, there's going to be some firing involved. We're not done by any means. Will you let me do that? I hope these meetings are really very similar. No matter how we look on the outside. May God help us to welcome the phrase, you're fired. Father in heaven, we come to you this morning confessing we don't like the heat. We know you don't like the heat any more than we do. But some way, somehow, you've, you've said to us in your word today, it's necessary. And Father, you have once again shown us that sometimes, yes, you're able to deliver us completely from the fire, but sometimes you deliver us in the fire. And so, Father, I'm, I'm, I'm asking in a special way for those who are here this morning. And this has been a difficult, trying, trying time. They don't know what to think about you in it. I pray, Father, that you've helped them have ears to hear this morning. Father, we thank you that you are higher than us, that your ways are not our ways. Because to be honest, we like it comfortable. We like it easy. We would rather our lives not be demanding. We just soon no one see our flaws, our cracks, our blemishes. But Father, we will pray this morning as your disciples, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth and in our lives as it is in heaven. Give us everything that we need to sustain, everything that we need to sustain us. Please help us to forgive those who, whose debts we hold in our hands as you've forgiven ours. Lead us nowhere near temptation. God, it's hard enough to walk the righteous road. Lead us far away from anything Satan would like to do to crash our lives and destroy them. Deliver us from evil. For we confess it is about your kingdom, your glory, your power forever and ever. And everyone said, Amen. If you'd like to respond this morning to the invitation to allow us to pray for you in the midst of your heat, in the midst of the furnace, could we do that? We're going to have elders at the back and some at the front. I'd love to do that with you. Maybe it's our arm around you that helps you to remember He really is in this with me. If you're here this morning and you, you want to take that next step and say, I, I want Him to fire me. 
no, I don't like the pain. No, I don't like the hurt that comes with it. But I don't want to stay unusable. I want to stay immature. Not much good to anybody else. Yes, let me be a disciple of Jesus Christ. I'm going to be down here at the front. And if you'd like to start down that path, come find me.